Welcome to the BBC Trending Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of social media. This week, a story that involves the biggest YouTube star on the planet and two hackers who used his name to rock the world of information security. I will say, in the beginning, as I was doing it, it did feel exciting and I felt like a hero, like I'm, I'm going to change the world and actually make a difference. Printers started to turn themselves on and television started to play videos that their owners never requested. It's a story that's caused waves around the world and has made news headlines. Behind it all, two teenagers who hacked tens of thousands of office and home devices. But why do they do it? Everybody wants things like smart, smart, smart. Everybody wants to put it on the internet, but no one focuses on security of these devices. The hackers are now in hiding from the police and internet vengeance. Was it worth it now they're looking over their shoulders, maybe for the rest of their lives? And what are the repercussions of a hack of this scale? Putting a scare out in the world that these devices can be very, very dangerous was worth it. I would honestly say I really don't think so, that it was worth it. You can always hide, but you can never hide from the fear and the panic that will just haunt you continuously for what you've done. Joining me is the BBC cyber security reporter, Joe Tidy, who managed to speak to the hackers. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Joe. How did all this start? Well, interestingly enough, it all began with a huge fight to determine who is the king of YouTube. The king of YouTube? What, what, what are we saying here? <laughs> well, let me explain. Listeners may have heard of Swedish YouTuber PewDiePie. His real name is Felix Kahlberg. He has over 86 million subscribers on YouTube, more than anyone else. His videos mostly focus on critiquing and commenting on other parts of the internet. <laughs> How's it going, bros? My name's PewDiePie. Welcome to... Friday's with PewDiePie. Friday's with PewDiePie. We probably need some kind of barometer here to explain just how big PewDiePie is. So, Anissa, here are three names to try to show you the scale of his success on the platform. Are you ready? Born ready. Okay, here's the first one. How many subscribers do you think Beyonce has on YouTube? Okay, big star. I'm a big fan. Uh, let's say 40 million. Oh, only 17. <laughs> okay. Okay, how about this one? Logan Paul, you've heard of him. He's huge. Yep, we've talked about him here on Trending. He's a big YouTube personality. Let's say mm, 30 million. Just under 19. I'm so rubbish at this game. <laughs> well, it's not easy. Here you go, last one. Ariana Grande. Probably the most popular pop star on the planet right now. She's just released a new album. So I'm going to say, I'm going to go big. So I'm going to say 65 million. Afraid not. 32 oh, million. I don't like this game. But the point here is that even adding up all three of those channels of some of the biggest stars of music and online together, you still don't get anywhere near PewDiePie's numbers. So imagine what happens when a company relatively unknown outside of the home territory of India comes along to challenge PewDiePie's internet reign. Well, that company is called T-Series. T-Series is India's largest music label and movie studio, and it too has built up an enormous YouTube following, almost overnight really, and shocked everyone. When they started getting close to the same number of subscribers as PewDiePie, his fans decided to help their hero. 
In this video, I will say PewDiePie 100,000 times to stop T-Series. PewDiePie, 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 PewDiePie. But PewDiePie is just one person and T-Series are a huge company who are very popular among Indians and fans of Bollywood film and music. That's right, so you can see why this online fight went so viral. I don't like your T-Series. Nothing personal, kid. This music we're hearing now is a diss track created by PewDiePie, a song created especially to hurl insults at T-Series. PewDiePie's hardcore supporters started campaigns to try and fend off this challenge from the Indian channel. This included things like hanging up flyers in Bangladesh and even buying billboards in the US. Hey! Hey! Calling all bros, you can save YouTube. Subscribe to PewDiePie, unsubscribe from T-Series. Truer words have never been spoken. That's just the start of our campaign. On to the next one. Okay, we know now that PewDiePie stands and bros, those super loyal fans, will do anything to help their favourite YouTuber. Right, and that's where our two teen hackers come in. At the end of November last year, people started posting screenshots of a poster that was coming out of their printers. But here's the thing, they hadn't actually asked the printer to print anything. These machines all around the world were just turning themselves on and churning out sheets of paper. Attention, what's going on? The currently most subscribed to channel on YouTube is at stake of losing his position as the number one position. The hackers were able to access thousands of printers which were connected to the internet through something called an open network port. Now that feature in itself isn't new. It's available on hundreds of thousands of printers all around the world and it's there so printers can receive data. But it also makes them susceptible to hacking. Four, tell everyone you know seriously. Five, brofist. And with that message, there was also a printer-style picture of a brofist. That's the hand you make when you fist bump someone. It also happens to be something that PewDiePie is known for. Did the person behind this first wave of hacking make himself known? Yeah, he did. He was someone who went by the name of Hacker Giraffe. He claimed responsibility for the hack on Twitter almost immediately. He said it was merely a way to show people how vulnerable their printers were to these type of cyber attacks. So he wasn't motivated by wanting PewDiePie's attention? Well, this is something I asked when I spoke to Hacker Giraffe. Now, because of the enormous trouble he's gotten himself into, we've had to use an actor to disguise his voice. What was it like having him to comment and talk about what you'd done? That must have felt... Did it feel good? When I got a DM from his editor, you know, telling me, hey, you're going to be in tomorrow's video and actually see it pop up, not only on PewDiePie, but also on a, a couple of other YouTube channels, I'm not going to lie and say, like, oh, no, I felt like I was responsible. I was having fun. I was excited. He also tweeted at the time to say the hack was a way of highlighting printer security problems. Then a few weeks later, there was another printer hack. Hacker Giraffe teamed up with another individual. This time they said they had the power to not only force printers to print things, but also to possibly destroy the machines. How could they do that? Well, they said they had the power to continuously force data to be written on the chip inside the printer. There's a chip in there on many of these printers, just like you would have in your computer. And if that loop is kept on going for long enough, the chip will eventually overheat and fry and the printer will, well, it'll no longer function. Now, they said they didn't actually do this to any printers, but they did claim they had the power to fry these printers. 
Joe, we heard just then that you spoke to Hacker Giraffe and you also found the person who he teamed up with. Yeah, he calls himself User. Was it difficult to find the very people behind these hacks? Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But actually, in this instance, no. They were very proud of what they were doing. They were tweeting about it. They were telling people exactly the step-by-step process that they used because they were bragging, essentially. But I eventually got in touch with them through uh, social media accounts. And then we moved on to encrypted apps where they were much safer and much more comfortable discussing things. And eventually, slowly sort of built up the trust with them. And I said, look, you know, why don't I come out and, and talk to you? One of them agreed, user. He lives out somewhere in the Midwest of America. And he agreed that we could do an interview on camera and with audio, obviously, but we had to keep his identity completely uh, anonymous. So he wore a balaclava, we distorted his voice. And while we were there interviewing him, we also had Hacker Giraffe on the phone as well. And we we got him over an encrypted channel and we were talking to him. So I managed to do a kind of roundtable interview with, with both of them, but I had to guarantee them complete anonymity because these guys were very scared, not only of being in trouble with the law, but also with this backlash from the internet. And because of that, the clips that we're playing are their own words, but they're voiced by actors. And one of the first things I wanted to ask them was, how did they get together? And this is what both Hacker Giraffe and User told me about how they found each other online. I think if I recall correctly, I DM'd him first and I think I accused him of being a copycat at first. Yeah, he thought I was. What in the internet world we will call a skid. That's what he accused me of. We talked back and forth and... Then he determined that I was not as scared. I, I wrote the script. I did it faster than he could have done and that kind of stuff. Hacker Giraffe told me he didn't think anybody would really notice the hacks at first. It was just supposed to be a funny joke that happens and that's it. You know, everybody forgets about it in a few days. What surprised everyone about these attacks was the scale. We hadn't really seen anything like this before. They claimed to have printed out their message on more than 100,000 machines. Now, that's not something we can independently verify. We can't go to every single person. But we we do know that people from countries including the UK, US, Argentina, Spain, Australia and Chile, they all had posters come out of their printers because they were posting about it on social media. How easy or hard was the hack? They said it was relatively easy. They'd done some research on device vulnerabilities and they said it didn't take them very long at all. One search for a website that lists open devices on the internet and a slight tweak of an existing exploit program, which is, again, readily available on the internet, and they said they were away. So two huge printer hacks. They weren't obviously done by PewDiePie himself, but they were done for his campaign and in his name, if you like, and it certainly got his attention. Someone hacked printers worldwide urging people to subscribe to PewDiePie. Thank you, printers. Very cool. That must have given them so much pleasure and some huge online kudos. Well, yeah, I mean, getting a shout out from one of your heroes must have felt good. And it did feel good. Both hackers admitted to me that it was a bit of a buzz. And although I tried to speak to PewDiePie himself, he said he wasn't interested. We gave him a right to reply, obviously, because in a way he did encourage this. He, He didn't say go and do this, but he certainly didn't say stop. He found it all very funny and very amusing that these guys were doing something that is potentially quite serious and and illegal on his behalf. So both Hacker Giraffe and User effectively became overnight heroes to many of PewDiePie's fans and the other people on the internet who, of course, thought it was a, a funny stunt, even if they claimed that wasn't their prime motivation. Anyway, it spurred them on to move from hacking printers to another common device. But as quickly as it all went viral, after all the status and internet fame... It all came crashing down. 
Joe, both user and hacker giraffe didn't stop at printers. What was the next hack? Televisions. Specifically, TVs which have a device called a Google Chromecast dongle. A dongle is a little thing that you plug into the back of your telly, which makes it into a smart TV, allows you to access certain parts of the internet. The hackers targeted these devices, and suddenly a rogue video was appearing on TVs. Once again, it came with a warning, secure your device, oh and of course, subscribe to PewDiePie. How did they hack the TVs? I mean, I'm guessing it's the same way they took control of the printers. Very similar, yeah. This was known as the cast hack. And it took advantage of a setting that makes so-called smart TVs publicly viewable on the internet. The hackers could identify which TVs were open to the hack and then plant the video. Because everyone is riding on this whole smart device wave. Everything has to be smart, everything has to be connected, but they can't do it right. And it could have a lot of consequences. Yeah, everybody wants things like smart, smart, smart. Everyone wants to put it on the internet, but no one focuses on security of these devices. Do we know how many people were affected by the cast hack? Well, it's a tricky one. Just like the printers, we won't ever really know how many people watched the video because we can't verify the figures that the hackers gave us. They say tens of thousands. It could have just been thousands. But what we do know is that once again, at the push of a button, two people were able to gather headlines around the world. They even got noticed by Google. The company said they had received reports from people who had, this is how they put it, an unauthorised video played on their TVs via a Chromecast device but they said the issue was a result of router settings, basically settings on the device that the TV use to connect to the internet. So again, the hackers made headlines around the world. They became internet famous, successfully got their message about subscribing to their favourite YouTuber across on this grand scale. But I guess the question is, why? Why did they do this again? They said although they liked PewDiePie's attention that he was giving them, they were more concerned about people's apparent lack of awareness about open devices like printers and smart TVs. I wanted to, in my opinion, do good. Not for fame, not for clout. I wanted to really give the message that you could be screwed. I could get into your Chromecast and find out exactly your coordinates. I mean, your IP. I could jump from your Chromecast to your computer possibly and get into your bank account. I mean, your Wi-Fi password is in your Chromecast. It's not a joke. From the beginning, when the printer hack, when it all started, I wanted to help. I genuinely thought that this was for the good. Is this type of hacking illegal? Well, it's a tricky one. The issue of legality surrounding this type of hacking falls into a grey area of the law. I spoke to a number of security analysts for this story. Some of them have different views, but one expert did tell me that they believe they were breaking the law. But the hackers still believe their act was justified. While authorities might not see eye to eye with us, what what we're doing is much better than someone destroying printers and offices around the world in an attempt to hold printers ransom or something. I feel like if we were to somehow call up the millions of printer owners and tell them that the printer was vulnerable, I mean, that's that's impossible. I'd need to hire a call centre to do that. So what we did was print to the printers saying, this is the port, please close it. What was the online reaction from people who were watching all this unfold on the internet? Initially, it was positive, and some people even commended the hack. This is what user said about one person who contacted him after her printer was attacked. There was a lady that thanked both of us that PewDiePie himself retweeted because she was like, oh my God, thank you so much. Because she had a printer that printed labels, and those labels are expensive. So she was like, 
thank you so much. If someone else did this to me, then I would have to have, buy a whole bunch of new labels, and these labels are very expensive. But as we heard Hacker Giraffe say at the beginning, what was supposed to be a funny joke, as he calls it, soon turned into their worst nightmare. Although they were getting positive messages from other PewDiePie fans or hacker fans or other parts of social media, there was also this online abuse that started. You're like trying to do something good, but then some people take it the wrong way. Some people take it, you know, like, oh my God, you printed one print out on my copying machine. I'm going to come to your house and try and murder you or whatever. Mm, there's been people sending me pictures of nooses, like kill yourself. Someone just told me to end myself. This online abuse, coupled with the fear of being caught by the authorities, caused both the hackers great anxiety. They had many, many sleepless nights, but it also led Hacker Giraffe to do something very drastic. He destroyed everything he was involved in to do with hacking. He deleted all his files. And he had a panic attack. All this stress kind of kept piling and piling and piling. And I guess after cast hack, it hit a critical point And I just broke down, which is why pretty much everything was completely gone and deleted in three minutes. You burned it all down, didn't you? Yeah, I burned it down, everything, including the hacking challenges I'd put up for people who wanted to learn, which took me around a year to finish. I burned it all down. Everything I ever worked on in this persona or this personality was completely burned down in just one panic attack. If what they say is true, is there an argument here to say there was some good in what they did? In a sense, it's um, an ethical sort of hacking. Yeah, and some people would absolutely say that, but I suppose it depends on how you look at this. There are three basic types of hacking. You've got white hat hacking. These are the good guys. They work with governments and organisations and companies to test loopholes in cybersecurity. They know how to identify potential problems and then they inform the companies. They help to keep us all safe. Then there's black hat hacking. These are the malicious hackers. They look for loopholes in individual devices and computers and are responsible for bad cyber attacks that cause chaos. They can hack into a network and get access to your business, your personal and financial information to try and make money. So they're the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But then there's this grey area. And this is where many people would say that hacker, giraffe and user potentially fall into. They're neither the good guys nor the bad guys. They hacked, they say, to show us how vulnerable printers and smart TVs are. But the hackers told me they could easily have used the same methods for more nefarious purposes. There are so many things out there that we decided not to touch because it was way too dangerous because the real purpose here was not just to get our names in the news or, you know, just to promote a certain thing. We were genuinely trying to alert these people that their devices could be abused so there is any insane amount of things that you could have done. We wanted to scare you into realising this is not a joke. Your printer is vulnerable. We could take over your printer, we could steal documents from your printer... Joe, all of this sounds quite serious. What can we do to keep our devices safer? Well, it's like anything really with cybersecurity. The, the advice is quite simple. You've got to carry out regular audits of all the equipment that you have on your network. Do your printers really need to be connected to the internet or can they just be connected to a single computer? Do they need to be open uh, to these sorts of attacks? And it's basic stuff like you've got to install the latest security patches. So those software updates that we sometimes get and often ignore. <laughs> exactly, those ones, yeah, that, that say there's a new update, can you please install it? And you say, now nah, I'll do that later. Get that done because that will stop things like this happening. And then, of course, there are specific advice 
pamphlets and, and websites you can go on to to try and get your, your specific type of machinery secured from these open port attacks. But the interesting thing here is that after these hacks, there is evidence that it affected the number of devices that were open in a good way. Even if I got maybe 20, even 30% of these printers to go off the internet or at least educate people that exposing a device to the internet can have a lot of consequences, I feel like it would be worth it. It was worth the risk. And now printers are down. The vulnerable printers are down by maybe 25% at this point, which is what we were trying to do. I asked both Hacker Giraffe and user whether or not all of this was worth it, given they've had to vanish from the internet. I would honestly say that I really don't think so, that it was worth it. I, I didn't properly uh, consider the consequences of my actions. You know, hack a couple of things, you know, who cares about the consequences? Your favourite YouTuber is going to call you out. And, and people saw this as a get-famous-quick scheme, yeah, and that is definitely, definitely not the case. It's not a path that is easy or worth it. I think I finally raised awareness of what can really be done. Putting a scare out into the world that these devices can be very, very dangerous was worth it. Joe, I guess there's one last question to be asked here. All of this started as an online war with T-Series and PewDiePie. Did his fans succeed in keeping him as the channel with the most subscribers? Well, this is it. I mean, if you can check it every 10 minutes and it will change. This is the, the thing that's got the internet so excited. I've just checked, and at the time of recording, he is only 8,000 subscribers ahead of T-Series. That's very close. It is very close. And if you look at it, I mean, 86 million subscribers, eight, what's 8,000? But actually, in this gap, that is tiny. So the battle is far from over. That's it this week for the BBC Trending podcast. My thanks to Joe Tidy. Neil Churchill mixed this episode and my thanks also to production managers Shannon McCormack and Janet Staples. If you want to send us a message to tell us what you think about this or any of our other episodes, then you can do that by finding us on Facebook or Twitter or you can email like trending fan Tune Delange did. Thank you, Tune, for your message. He said, The information on BBC Trending changed from optimistic forward-looking to one big warning against misuse of social media, and rightfully so. He says, The programmes you make with quietly spoken sincere information are really gripping and very important. Thank you so much, Tune. This week, you can email joe at joe.tidy, that's J-O-E, Tidy, T-I-D-Y, at bbc.co.uk with your story tips and anything else you want to say to him. That's it from us here at Trending. I'm Anissa Suvidar. Thanks for listening. <laughs>